Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast, where you will learn how to start living more by doing less. Let me help you optimize, automate, and outsource your entire life so you can focus on doing the things you love. Now here's your host, Ari Mizell. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Mizell, and my guest today is JT McCormick, who is the current CEO of Book in a Box, which is Tucker Max's, uh, he, Tucker Max is one of the founders, and I've done two books with Book in a Box, and JT is really come in and help them scale and really systematize a lot of things, and uh, JT and I have a guilty pleasure that we share, which we may get into at some point. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. So thanks, JT. I appreciate it. That yeah, we're, we'll have to definitely give some information behind leading with guilty pleasure. That just didn't sound right to leave leave that out there like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm now the onus is on you to bring it up. So, and then I can I can be consoling rather than than uh, leading the charge. Um, so. <laughs> Tell me uh, just really quick for everybody, you know, before booking a box, what, where, where did you get your start? You know, how, how did you get to this point where you now help people become famous authors? Wow. How far do you want me to go back, Ari? Uh, before I'll go one step back. If you want me to go back further, that's fine. Um, I was the president of a software company here in Austin, Texas, and we scaled the company over the course of about four and a half, five years from 13 people to well over 100. We ended up with offices in Austin, Houston, Dallas, and Monterey, Mexico. So uh, scale is, is something I love. That's where I came from. And then I got introduced to Tucker and Zach by way to really start doing my book with them. Never had an intent of, of being CEO here and it just kind of evolved from there. Yeah. And, and we should go back a little farther because not unlike other success stories. I mean, you've dealt with a lot of adversity in your life, but you really, it, it really shaped your story. And you, I mean, you've come such a long way. So why don't we talk about that a little bit? So, you know, if we, we dive all the way back to, to childhood, I'll, I'll try to give the, the Cliff Notes version here. My, my father was a black pimp in the 1970s. And I express to people all the time when I say black pimp, not what Jay-Z has turned the word into. Uh, pimp is now a, a, a cool uh, description of something. My father was a real pimp. He put a woman on a corner. She sold her body. She took all the money back to my, my father. Uh, my mother was a white orphan who grew up in an orphanage and institution back in the 1950s. When she turned 17 years old, they gave her a suitcase, $20, and said, good luck to you. And she had never seen the outside of those four walls. So uh, you know, my, my parents were never married. I tell people all the time, if you want to talk about racism, go back to the seventies where being mixed race was not looked up on very well at all. I, I tell people black people didn't like me because I was half white, white people didn't like me because I was half black. And so I had no place to fit in. Uh, my father had 23 confirmed children. So I'm one of 23 by my father. I'm the only one by my mother. But um, again, short, short story there, Ari, I was in juvenile three different times. Uh, I've been sexually molested by my father's prostitutes. I've gone to bed hungry. I've been 
homeless on the bus stop. So yeah, pretty, pretty traumatic uh, childhood, but life is all what you make of it. Well, that's a, so, I mean, that's a, a remarkably stoic way to sort of wrap that up at the end. So life is what you make of it. But so where was the, were you like, were you on a path for, for, for something bad at some point and then you turned it around or did you just always know that it was just a matter of time before you were able to sort of escape from that life? No, I, I was not on a path of, of knowing that I would escape it at all. Like I said, I was in juvenile uh, three different times. I remember very vividly my last time I was in juvenile, I'm getting ready to leave, and the corrections officer grabs me, and he, he looks at me in my eyes, and he says to me, if you ever come back here again, you're going to end up in man prison. Now, Ari, I don't know what it is. I'm 46 years old now. I do not want anything to do with man prison. And so it just doesn't sound right to me. And so that was a real turning point of, wow, I don't know what it is, but I damn sure don't want to go. And so that was a turning point for me. Uh, truth, truth be told, I, the three avenues that I knew out of the hood were rapper, athlete, or drug dealer. Those were all of the avenues that were provided, and I just wasn't good at in any of them. Unfortunately, no one ever told me about business. No one said you could be a pharmaceutical rep. No one said you could be a mortgage broker, a wealth advisor, and damn sure no one ever said entrepreneur. If someone would have said entrepreneur to me, I would have thought they were speaking French or a foreign language. So it, it was over the course of time and really just paying attention to my surroundings that I learned how I could succeed in business and take all the lessons from, from the hood and the environment that I grew up and transfer them over to business. Well, so what, what was your first real job then? Wow. My first job <laughs> was cleaning toilets at a restaurant called, called Po Folks. And I, I laugh every time I tell that story because my mother and I used to make the joke when we were, when we were, when I was young, that we were so poor, we could not afford the O and the R. We were just Po. And the, so the, the odds that I would end up working my first job at a, at a restaurant called Po folks just blew me away. I thought the irony in this, but yeah, my first job, I worked from nine to three uh, Monday through Friday at this restaurant. My first job when I came in each morning was to clean the toilets from the night before. They were nasty and hideous, and I was a busboy. And I remember directly standing in front of those toilets one day saying to myself, okay, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, but if I'm going to clean toilets, I am going to have the very cleanest toilets in the city of San Antonio. And I would always make sure my toilets were immaculate, the tables that I bust were clean, and so on and so forth. And that, that was the, the moment I, I said, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be the very best at it. Well, that, and obviously that served you quite well. And so did you end up getting to go to college? Or? I did not. Matter, matter of fact, I'll tell you a funny story, Ari, about uh, I, I only have a high school diploma and I barely have that. So uh, I, I won't go into all the details, but I, in Dayton, Ohio, where I grew up until I was 15, I was pretty much pushed through an educational system. There, and so when I got to Texas, San Antonio, at the age of 15, I got uh, 
reconnected with my mother. And I remember we went in to enroll me in school and they said, okay, you're, you're 15, you're a sophomore in, in high school, you should be in these classes. Well, one of the classes was geometry. Truth be told, that was the first time I had ever even heard the word geometry. Never even, didn't even know what it was. Didn't know it was a math class. So six weeks goes by, I get my report card, everyone figures out pretty damn quick, wow, okay, the, the academics are just not here for this kid. And they tested me, and I tested on a fifth, sixth grade level as far as education. Needless to say, fast forward three years, my senior year comes around when it's time to graduate. I don't get to graduate. I don't get to walk the stage and, and celebrate and all that good stuff. I had to go to summer school to get my high school diploma. And, and let me finish this real quick. So I go to summer school. I get my credits of, of what's needed to get my high school diploma. I'm so excited. They say, okay, go back over to your school. They'll give you your high school diploma. So I don't know why I had this in my mind, Ari, but, but I was under the impression there should be a celebration for me because I have my high school diploma. So I show up at my school. There's two cars in the parking lot. I walk in. The janitor and this lady sitting at the front desk, I say, I'm here to pick up my diploma. The janitor walks over, lady shakes her head, he unlocks the safe, brings me my piece of paper, walks off. And I'm standing there and I'm going, okay, where's the confetti? Where's the celebration? Where, where is, you know, where, where's my, my moment? And so I go home and I tell my mom, okay, hey, I got my high school diploma. She goes, great, you got two weeks to get a job. And there, there you have it. That's the extent of my education. Yeah, wow. Well, and, and, then, and then how does that translate into your obvious innate abilities to scale businesses? I, I would say first and foremost, Ari, for me, what I have found in just sitting back and asking myself that very question, I grew up in such chaos of, of constantly wondering what was going to happen. When's the next time my dad's going to beat a woman? When's the next time I'm going to eat or am I not going to eat? It was just such a chaotic upbringing that business is very simple to me. You, you see the levers, you figure out which levers need to pull, what moves what, and, and business has just come very, dare I say natural, because I study scale, business, leadership every morning for about an hour and a half, been doing that for years. So the great majority of my business education has been, been self-taught. Well, but I mean, and, it's remarkable, but still like that's, there's gotta be more to it. I mean, it's really, it's, it's incredible to have even, I feel like from the background that you've had, just being able to cover, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is what people think about much less how to scale things. So, I mean, this approach of being able to, to put systems in place and, and I guess there's a lot of discipline involved really in, in what you've been able to achieve. It's, so that that would be a great uh, place to start. I would say discipline and, and mindset and structure. Coming from chaos, I, I I thrive in structure. I thrive in discipline. As you heard me say, uh, each morning my, my day consists of this. I get up at 3.45, 4 a.m., and I study uh, business. I study leadership. I study scale. And from there, I go to the gym for an hour, hour and a half. I spend some time with the family. I'm off to the office, come home about 536, spend more time with the family, eat dinner, give the kids a bath, put them in bed, 
spend some time with my wife. I study a little more. I go to bed between 10 and 10.30, get up and do it, do it again. And I love that structure and that discipline. Yeah, and I mean, I have to imagine that, that it's, it's almost, I mean, and, and not to put a bad association to this for you at all, but it's, it's almost like somebody who's successfully overcome some sort of addiction, right? Like you would say for a lot of them that that, that sort of routine becomes so important. Uh, so it, it, again, it's, I mean, kudos to you, obviously, it's remarkable. The discipline is one of those things I feel like it's, it's inherent, but we also need to hone it and continuously work on it. Totally. You know, it's, I'm asked this question quite often. All right, people will say, what's the one thing? And, and I've struggled greatly with that question because the fact is, it's not one thing. It's, it's the course of several things that I do. But what, what I, if someone wants me to give them one answer, I, I express that it's mindset. And what, what are you going to do to achieve success or your goals. And for me, I take mindset and then I boil it down to uh, what I call the three S's. There's sleep, sacrifice, and success. And what I mean by that is you have to sleep sometime. Even if you work 24 hours straight, 36 hours straight, the body just requires, it's a fact of life, you have to sleep sometime. Okay, great. So next is sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice for success? For me, I've been willing to sacrifice any and everything for, for success to, to achieve my goals. Many people say they want success, but they aren't willing to do to make the sacrifices to achieve it. Right. Well, and so what does that look like for you on a regular basis? What do you feel that you continue to sacrifice in order to achieve those things? Well, so, so I'll give you a great example. We'll go back to the, the, the software company. Everyone celebrates and I'm often asked, wow, JT, how did you go from lowest paid individual at the software company to president in three years? And people celebrate that and they want to talk about it, but no one wants to dive into the details of what it actually took. No one wants to talk about the 18 hour days. No one wants to talk about that. I was there for five years and in five years, I only took 11 days vacation. You and I both know we live in a society where people take 11 days vacation in, in Q1 of each year. So right. no one wants to dive into the sacrifice. Uh, my wife laughs about this. I laugh about it. But when my firstborn, uh, my daughter was born, there's a picture of me in the delivery room and my laptop is open behind me in the delivery room. So, you know, I've been willing to sacrifice anything to, to achieve success. Now, do I spend time with my family? Yes. Every night you heard my routine. I'm there. We do breakfast. We do uh, evenings together. I spend time with them on the weekend, but the time that I have in between, be it I'm sacrificing sleep, be it I'm sacrificing. I love golf. I, I don't play because it takes four and a half hours to play around. So that's four and a half hours I can spend with my family or study my craft. So you have to decide what are you going to sacrifice to achieve your goals. Yeah, and, and now how does this translate into your parenting? You know, I would say right now in life, that is my greatest challenge. Money, I've made millions, I've lost millions. Money can be made time and time again. 
scaling the company can be done over and over again. My greatest challenge is raising my kids. How do I provide this phenomenal lifestyle for them uh, of something I knew nothing of growing up, but also teach them to appreciate it, teach them work ethic, teach them to, to be respectful and, and mindful uh, of others. And I would say right now that's my biggest challenge is, is parenting. <laughs> and how old are your kids? Eight months, two and a half, and four. Oh, yeah. Wow. So very similar book to me. Uh, and yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's like a constant, constant challenge. I, I always find that to be like, if something's going to like, it's Murphy's law, like if everything else is okay, then you're going to do something bad as a parent. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, Oh, I'm pretty good at this, <laughs> this uh, company thing. I'm pretty good at investments, but Oh man, am I just going to blow it as a parent? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's well, I guess we'll remain to be seen. Um, and, and so as far as book in a box goes, what excites you most about the company? Is it, is it the product or just the idea of really scaling the company? Does it matter to you really in that case, I guess, what the product is, and you, to be honest? You know, you know it, 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 is, it is the product. And, and I, I, I don't just say that because, okay, we're CEO and that's the, the, the politically correct thing he's supposed to say. Actually, tr truth be told, I was at the software company. I was making great money. Uh, I, I was entertaining other offers. And I was just intrigued by the fact that here's this company writing my book. And without this company, I would not have been able to do my book. You, you heard my background. I can't tell you an adverb from a pronoun. God knows I want to thank the man or woman who created Spellcheck because they've been influential in my career. And, and I went to schools where we couldn't even take our books home at, at night. So here I am, CEO of a publishing company, and I, I love what we do and, and sharing the world's wisdom. And, and it's just, it's a phenomenal product. So what are the big challenges you see though going forward with the company? Because it's, I mean, it's going really well. You know, you're doing well over, I mean, I think you've done it a couple hundred books now for, for authors. So what's, what's next for you, for the company? So we've worked with over 600 authors now, uh, in a little, we're, we're just three years old and we've worked with over 600 authors. And I got to say this art because it's something that in this day and age, you hear this all the time. We celebrate the unicorns. We celebrate the billion dollar companies. Uh, and I tell people we're, we're celebrating fictitious valuations but we are three years old, no debt, no loans, no private equity money, no VC, loan, VC money, and we are profitable. And so I say all the time, we're the other unicorn. But with that said, yeah, with, with scale, there becomes, you know, you're, you're 30 people now and the dynamic of the, the company changes. You want to make sure you keep the culture in place culture is first and foremost, and you're always looking to enhance your processes and systems, make sure you're efficient and effective. So that those will remain to be the challenges. But in my position, specifically, I always express to people, you know, they say, JT, what's what, what's on your mind right now as CEO, it will always be finding the very best people. Sure. So, well, so before we wrap up this last question, I'm curious is how many of the books that you guys put out, do you end up actually reading? 
<laughs> so so Tucker laughs at this. He goes, let me. He says to me, let me get this straight. You're a CEO, but you listen to the books on Audible. Um, I, I am not a fast reader, me neither. but I can re- I can retain like no other if I can hear it said and spoken. So I am big on Audible, um, but I actually do my very best to read the great majority of the books. I would say right now I'm probably at, let's say, 60% I've read of the books. That's pretty good. That's That's really good, actually. So, well, that's yeah. good to know now. And that's, but that for any authors from Book in a Box listening, and I'm, I've written two books with you guys. It just reminds me of that old adage that uh, I know that only 50% of my marketing works, but I just don't know which, which 50%. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, well, JT, thank you so much. How can people find out more about you? And of course, what Book in the Box? Oh, gosh. Book in the Box is real real simple. You can go to bookinabox.com. For me personally, you can find me on LinkedIn, JT McCormick. I'm I'm easy to find. So, uh, or you can just email me direct, JT at bookinabox.com. I've got the easiest email in the company. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Ari. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for joining us today on the Less Doing Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share with your friends. For more information about Ari and his groundbreaking methods, please visit us online at lessdoing.com and on social media at Ari Mizell. We'll see you next week.